Alright, hi, welcome to another episode of Pack One Pick One. It's me, Flynn, and this is my long promised War of the Spark uh, episode focusing on the legends of the set and uh, Commander for them, kind of how they are looking in the format now that we've had some time for people to get the cards, play them, get some initial impressions of them. Just like what we did for Ravnica Allegiance. Hopefully what I'll be doing again for every other set going forward. I'll be doing M20 again coming out uh, maybe in a couple weeks, month or two. So look forward to that as well. And just like the last time, I have the same co-hosts with me. You've heard them on here before, but can you guys introduce yourselves again? Uh, yeah. Uh, hi, my name is Charles. Uh, I am... Uh, I was the co-host here last time when we did this. Uh, I run a Twitter page um, called The Idyllic Tutor, and uh, focusing on mostly playing mono-white in Commander. Um, I, You're well known for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got a bit of reputation. Yeah, I got, I got, I got called out recently. Really? Yeah, by Justin Parnell from Commander Versus as the mono-white master. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, nice. From Pleasant Kenobi, too. Uh, Pleasant Kenobi recently retweeted my uh, EDH Death and Taxes deck. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. But you are infinitely more famous than me. Let me tell. <laughs> At least in the magic community. So that's awesome. Well, you probably have more followers than me. The the channel is like incredibly unheard of. So. If like, everyone but starts. They, but they uh, but they name dropped you. Those aren't nobodies, so that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've been mentioned a couple of times only in passing on Commander versus podcasts, or not podcasts, but their streams of games. Nice. Recently, uh, Justin was playing a mono white Linden deck. Linden. Yeah, on uh, Commander versus, and won the game in like I want to say seven turns huh. uh, with that deck. Yeah, it's really good. He literally killed everyone on the board. Oh, nice. Why are you proud? It's a very it, the the deck list actually is like a variation of my mono white Aloro deck, so. Oh yeah, haven't seen it yet. Also, here are you again? Uh, I've not had you on here before, but for any new listeners, this is my house. <laughs> um. So <laughs> hi, I'm I'm Evan, aka Solid Plasma. I'm all over the interwebs on Twitter, on Twitch. I stream a lot on Twitch, actually. Twitch TV slash Solid Plasma. And I am a casual, uh, but very creative, I like to say, uh, commander player, um, who play plays EDH with these, with, yeah, we play a lot of EDH with these folks. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to be putting in the description for this podcast, and uh, put up on the Facebook page as well, links to where you can find Charles and Evan on their, uh, like, magic social media, like Twitter, or whatever other handles they want to put out there. So check out their stuff too. I wouldn't have them on here if they didn't put out awesome content too. Yeah, I'm supposed to actually have an article for Dice City coming out soon on oh, Commander. Nice. Yeah. It'll be oh, an introduction to playing Commander. Ooh, okay. Uh, for 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 the advanced player, not just like oh, I, I've never heard of this so format, but never... like yeah, because I think everyone's heard of Commander now. Yeah, if they're, if they're in magic, it's been name dropped. Yeah. So yeah, again, I mean, why are we even having this this podcast right now? Well, it's yeah. for yeah, it's for it's commander. For Anyone that's invested enough in the game, you know, at this point, someone that just picked up their first precon probably isn't checking out, you know, a deeper dive into legends uh, from the newest sets. I'm gonna get fl- their impact. for this, but commander, it's like legacy, but fun. 
No, no Light of Seed can be I'm, fun. I'm joking. I just don't play it anymore because both my decks got banned in one go. Oh, no. Assault. Are yeah. you just talking about Git Probe, or are you talking about Faithless Looting? No, or? I um played Shardless Bug, and I played Jund, and they took a big hit with Deathrite getting banned. Oh, they banned Deathrite. It was in oh, both yeah. of them, and uh, apparently you can still play um, Songtai, or Bug, but it's a lot different, and I haven't mm-hmm. gone back and picked those up yet. So that's, that's kind of how I got out of Legacy for a bit, because of that. Um, anywho, yeah, I'll be including all of their stuff in here. And I know Charles named up Dice City. That's a Dice City Games local game store that all of us play at. I've interviewed the owner of it on here before, my old school magic episode. Uh, I think I've featured some other people from there on here before. So don't worry. They're not uh, paying for this free ad plug for them, but they're a great local store if you're in the Maryland, D.C. area. Check them out. You may see us there. All right. Yeah, we're going to get into this. It's not going to be a deeper dive like the last one where we had like as many like hard numbers, mainly because some of my notes aren't here with me, so it's going to make it a bit tougher to do that. <laughs> but uh, hopefully for the next time we do this kind of podcast, uh, I will be trying to put more of the hard numbers in there because that's what I feel like differentiates my deep dives of them from other EDH podcasts. Sometimes they'll go over like a deck tech from them like command zone they'll do that but they won't always be like oh this card is according to these sites seeing this much play compared to the other legends it's not you know like these are the price this is the etc you don't really see a lot of those hard-hitting numbers um so it's unfortunate that i'm not doing that as much for this episode but you will do that again and i guess it kind of helps because there's a ton of legends in this set you got a lot to go over. We so a lot with recent sets. Yeah, well, dude, War of the Spark especially. And the first one I'll start the show off was Kefnet, one of the God Eternals of this set. Let me actually pull up the stats right here. It's for y'all. It was uh, similar to the other Kefnet, I believe the same mana cost. Uh, two blue blue. Uh, he was, I think, he was three mana. Two generic. Blue. And th- one blue. Was, you're right. You're right. This I, actually costs yeah. one more blue. Yep. Uh, but this one, it's a four or five flying zombie god. And whenever... Uh, let's see. That's right. Beginning of... the <laughs> Messing up the flavor text. So, yeah. You may reveal the first card you draw every turn as you draw it. So every turn. Whenever you reveal an instant or sorcery this way, that card... Uh, gets copied, and the copy costs two generic less to cast. And Kefnet, like every other god zombie in the set, all five of them, uh, well, all four of them, and including the red god, uh, whenever they are put, whenever it dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you can put it onto the owner's library, third from the top. Which isn't, like, indestructible, like the Amonkhet version of all five of the gods had. Just another great way of making them um, almost, like, some unkillable, unstoppable threat. 
Yeah, it's like an alternate... It's like... It, it's beginning progressively a little bit weaker, but more powerful in other ways. Like, originally it was indestructible, and then it was dies, returns... I actually the think end. this is stronger, because it comes back. You can... If you... It's indestructible, you can exile it. But right. this, they exile it, they're just coming right back. Right, but it's not as strong as uh, the, the previous one, Return to Your Hand to Me in the Extension, which was the the um, the, the zombie gods... Well, the, the basically zombie gods in uh, Hour of Devastation. I think mm. that's relative. I think so. I it, honestly, it, yeah. I honestly believe that the new versions of the uh, the four remaining, the four undead gods, are f- mostly far superior. Oh yeah, the abilities are very good. I'm just it, saying. Well, ahead. they're more unkillable. I feel like because they'll yeah. keep coming back despite the indestructible loss, and they come in ready to go, to attack and block. Unlike the Amicat ones, where you have to have some setup. To get them active as creatures, yeah, um, and I feel like that's more relevant in Commander. With the exiling effects, yeah. exiling effects are more rampant in Commander than yeah. in any other format, or, and so it's not like it just, it's not like the ability for them to just come back to your hand from the graveyard matters I f- much. I forgot they did that when exiled. That's the big point. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. Um, they're harder to kill. Now this applies to the other three zombie gods that Bolas brought with him to Ravnica, Hazret. I say four because the red god on Amonkhet is not dead yet, so there's yet. a different red god in this set that we'll get to later. So that's why I'm saying just the four of them, in case any of you have forgotten about that one. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Kepnet? I haven't seen the new one played a lot in a lot of decks. I'm not using it. I feel like, actually, even though it's harder to kill the old one, might be better for a commander because of the draw effect. Oh. But this one does have the upside of like being a good maybe spell matter. I want to say that like with a lot of cards that come out from War of the Spark, um, we did see like an increased spike of players playing, but that's just because they're new toys. Oh yeah, people want to try uh, that. I think that players, like I think that like subjectively us seeing not that many Kefnet going around i think it's because like if you look at like the uh cdh primer for kefnet on tapped out and stuff like that it's essentially just another jace Rinse prodigy deck mm-hmm. and so i mean it's like take your pick right you might see you might go to an lgs not from where we're at and you'll see players playing kefnet abundant Versus, like, some other player playing Jace. It's, like, you know, tomato, tomato. Okay. Uh, there are some slight variations to, like... But it's only very slight to, like, how you combo off with Kefnet versus how you combo off with Jace. But at the end of the day, the deck lists are, like, very mm-hmm. uh, homogenous. Do you feel like there. Urza hurt that by being just an even crazier mono blue CDH commander? I think... Because it's, like, you could play okay. Kefnet, but then he could just go balls to the wall. This is, this is, this is, war, this is war the spark right now that's right? fair but, but, but we are but talking like, about it seeing let's play like do you think that could be a factor in the if fact urza that... could be a new toy that people are playing with i've heard some feedback from people who play cdh in blue that they don't actually particularly like urza too huh. much uh because urza has his own particular set of it's problems right because like if you look at like jason kefnet both of them both of their abilities are innately tied to free casting and mm-hmm. getting extra spells right right instant generating based. Yeah, it generates some sort of card advantage. Urza actually has a harder time of generating card advantage by himself 
Uh, and he's better off as a blue stacks commander, okay. right? Because uh, yeah. he can turn off your winter orbs and static orbs at will, right? Which is great for you because then you can do all these other nasty shenanigans with Urza, right? But once again, the problem with Urza is that he doesn't come in pre-packaged with some way to generate card advantage. Well, he does have the uh, art. He does make the token. He does make the token, he, but I'm not talking about. I'm talking about getting cards off out of your library. You right? have one way to do that. Well, just have the, the five mana ability. The activated <laughs> ability is unreliable. Yeah, it is true because you can't guarantee what you're going to get. Yes, right. That's a fair point. Do you have any thoughts on Kafnet so, as well? I like the zombie gods a lot. I personally don't like. Well, partially it's because I'm not huge on Monica, but also I feel like that ability puts him in a great spot for the ninety nine. Yeah, I think it'd be good in the 99. I don't know if I'd play him as the mono blue. If I was going really all out, I'd do like an Urza or like an Azami. Yeah. Probably is like my main mono blue. Because the interesting thing, Kefnet's Ke- better remind me of, is Melek and similarly Karanos. He's, he's an instant sorcerer like commander. Big spell ones. So yeah. I would run him in an Izzet deck. In fact, I may do Dress that or, or Jeskai deck. Right, I like him in a spell deck. Yeah. I don't know if I would choose him as the commander. Exactly. I feel like you're right. But I haven't seen a lot of play with him either. I guess you guys haven't seen a lot of people using it as, like, the general in your local games no, groups. No, I've seen, I think I've seen him once or twice. Um, I mean, you can... I don't know. You can go infinite off of Time Warp and Skull Rack. Okay, yeah, you could do that. We can have a lot of commanders, to That is fair. true, that is true. I mean, like... That, that's he, a pretty good move. He's not... No, especially, it's not bad yeah, at all. Especially, but... especially when you can just go Mystical Tutor into the Time Warp as your top card for, that you reveal. Right. Right. And then you just put it back with Skull Rack. Yeah. And you can just use Brainstorm. So Skull Rack could get it back from the graveyard? Because after no, no, you no, cast you, it, I you, you cast a copy of it. Oh, that's right. You get yeah. the copy of it, take the extra turn, do that. That's... Yeah, you never actually <laughs> use the Time Warp. That is actually pretty gross. I kind of like there's, that. There's, like I said... There are already tons of primers for CEDH, Kefnet, and once again, it runs very similar to Jace Friends Prodigy. It is a very high-powered blue commander, not one to be taken lightly. Hmm. Um, yeah, no, that's great. Also, I just want to point out, because uh, the one of these gods I'm reviewing isn't a zombie god. It I is love not. the typeline zombie god. That is the yeah, most badass and you know, typeline. you don't see a lot of zombies in some of the colors, like green, white. Yeah, either. absolutely. That's uncommon. Uh... So, if you have any parting thoughts on Kefnet, speak now or forever rest in peace. Zombie uh, God, bird. I have a parting thought about Urza. I think <laughs> <laughs> no, get get out there. Yeah, yeah. Talk I think about I think I think Urza. I think Urza. I think right now in the CEDH meta, players are just getting to the idea of stacks. It's I think hmm. becoming a slower format because it's uh, it's its own meta game, different from the other EDH meta games. Hmm. And so right now it's trying to solve a problem within itself of we combo off too fast, how do I stop the no, combo? That was a very train? common thing with CD. Yeah, and so right now, like like I want to say a couple of years back, it was focused on a rat race, and now it's more focused on like a mid-range area. Hmm. I think some decks are uh, still going for the glass cannon approach because their commanders are strong enough that where they, they can, can do that. where they can do that. But other commanders who are too slow for that will try to go for a mid-game, and so they'll run stacks effects in it. And that's where we're seeing Urza right now. Okay. And But 
going back to Kefnet here, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is that I think Kef, like we, like like Kefnet does have a place I think in CEDH, mm. just like Jace Friends Prodigy. We might not see a lot of Kefnet, but I'm sure that somewhere in the CEDH meta, uh, meta game, somewhere on that list, he is somewhere on that list, and he's doing what he does. Okay, yeah. nice. Well, you're actually, uh, if you want to go next, we're talking about another god. Bantu. Yeah. yeah. Let me, uh, if you want, I can also pull him. Uh, I got his info. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sweet. He's, uh, what is it? Three, three generic, two black, uh, for a zombie god that, uh, is a 5-6 with menace. Uh, same, like, triggered ability that Kefnet has where if he were, when he dies or gets exiled, you can put him third from the top of the library. Yep. Right? Uh, oh, yeah. Ru- I forgot to mention, brainstorm works wonders on Kefnet simply because you can oh, just you put from yeah, that was good. and you can also just rearrange time warp back on top. Nice, yeah. So once again, great card. But anyway, Bantu, yeah. So he has the same recursive ability. The interesting thing is that he has the triggered ability of when he enters the battlefield, he can sacrifice any number of permanents, himself included, uh, and draw them in cards. Yeah. Uh, he is definitely a commander that I could see in the 99. Right. Not one that I would usually see as a commander. Though, if you want to try hard, you can do that. But uh, all in all, I don't, uh, I don't think anyone really practically plays him as their own commander. I mean, when you're yeah. mono-black, you have... You have a lot of other options out there. Yeah. And I'm... he'd be good in a deck that focused on aristocrats. Like, so, something though. Yeah. So, question about him, actually. Uh, he, it's just draw cards, draw cards, gain or lose life. I believe it's just draw cards. He's just draw cards. Okay, that's all. Yeah. Um, And the second question I had about him, what is it? Well, let's confirm that. Yep. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah. Right, draw cards. Yeah. yeah, which is powerful. My question is if you sack him to his own ability, does he go third from the top before or after you draw the cards? So, this is during the resolution of the first triggered ability, mm-hmm. and so you have to carry out the full resolution of the ability before you proceed to the next triggered ability. So, right. you don't get him to, you can't just do that. So, there yeah. goes three, third from the top after yeah. the cards you draw. Unless right. if it's a replacement ability, but it's not. And right. that's And that's like a caveat that um, I think we should mention about all the gods in War of the Spark, is that they can all be stifled, and they'll just stay where they are. Right. And that's like the dangerous thing if your god gets exiled. Although, stifle isn't that common a commander. It's common to CDH. Yeah, I believe Right. It. Okay, we're not <laughs> seeing freaking Bantu there. So I don't think we have to worry about him. I'm talking about Kefnet. Maybe Kefnet. Okay. Back to Kefnet. Bantu, no one, we're not going to be worrying about no, stifling no, him. Nobody, I don't think anybody is really going to care about stifling Bantu. Especially if he's the only guy that you're sacrificing to put. Yeah, you're just like, great. Pay five to draw a card, that's terrible. Yeah. But, well, in, C- in CDH, your opponent's like, you sit, you sit across them... And they whip out their Bantu deck, and you're like, great. This is going to be a real quick freaking match. Yes. I mean, so 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 if you want to build Bantu as a commander, right, there are ways they can do, that you can do okay. about it. Shadowborn Apostle deck. Uh, Shadowborn Apostle works, uh, but I was thinking, like, like, you want to generate large amounts of card advantage. Tokens, I think, are a great way in card advantage... Uh, because player because they don't actually count as real cards. Yeah. Right. And so surf tokens like uh, are great. Uh, zombie tokens. Zombie tokens, bitter blossom tokens, things like that. I sure. mean, you can get it on the early start, so that way you curve out and draw a bunch of cards off of it, and that way you're not 
because here's the thing about using Shadowborn Apostle, you're diluting your deck with Shadowborn Apostles. Like what makes Shadowborn Apostles so great in Commander is the like you know four ten to fourteen cards that are actually in the deck that aren't Shadowborn Apostles or lands right. that actually tie them all together in this perfect synergy. They can use like a Skull Clamp or like uh, that Green Black Enchantment. I forgot what it's called. Death Ritual. Uh, the one that that that, that brings back. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, return all creatures that share a name with it back onto the battlefield. Ew. Yeah. Gross. Um, yeah. I like it. So, I mean, it, it you wouldn't see that card right. played in anything other than stuff where you can play multiple copies of card in Commander. Yeah. Right? I would just sacrifice all my lands and troll my opponents. Be like, so I'm going to sack all my lands and bond to. Yeah. But I choose so many cards. Well... Yeah, I don't think he's... I haven't seen him played a lot. He was great in Limited, though. Had a lot of fun. Yeah, all there. these are really good in Limited. Yeah, they all are way too good. All right. Any last thoughts on Bantu real quick before we move on? I think that covers No, nope, yeah, no one cares about Bantu. Oh. No one does. Well, he but did betray Evan, the other god. We have another god. We yeah, we, this, one, this one's not from Amonkhet. This is Ilharg the Razebore. It's the red god. Who is, I believe, associated with the Gruul. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, it costs three and two red, five converted mana cost. Uh, it's a boar god, unlike the rest of the zombie gods, because mm-hmm. it's from Ravnica. It's not dead. It's not dead. I don't think it, well, okay, yeah, they're dead, but undead. Um, it's a 6-6 six, six with trample, which I want to point out exceeds the vanilla test on its own, which is actually really solid. Five mana for a 6-6 six, six with trample is pretty damn good on its own. But yeah, it's got the ability where it, when it would die, it shuffled into the top. Same as the top, Yeah. And the interesting part, this signature ability of this card, is whenever it attacks, you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. And then you bounce that creature to be in the next end step. That's this a powerful ability. It's really powerful. And again, as I said before, I'm not huge on running this particular kind of god with this effect as the commander. Hmm. Because I feel like with that recursion, you better have something else in your commander you can get back and then use the draw effect, use the shuffle effect to get it back repeatedly. Okay. But, uh,. It's still a great option. Um, I think it's really good with cards like Warstorm Surge and Entry Exit Effects. It's definitely how I'd run it myself. Right. Anything but, that has an ETB ability. You yeah. Know. Or Exit Or like Leave For shit, ability. you just yeah. attack with that and you, then you slam like an Ulamog into play tapped and attacking and it's like now you have Annihilator. Well, no, because... Oh, no, you're right. Sorry, that one is... I was thinking Emrakul. Yeah, like, Emrakul is the first one that came to mind, but that so one's banned. That one is very banned, yeah. as it should be. But yeah, that, uh, that pr- seems pretty good to coming tapped and attacking. Actually, no, hold on. It wouldn't work with Annihilator, because Annihilator is an attack trigger. It comes in tapped and attacking. Yep. No, you're right, yeah. So, it's cool. What do you think about... Have you seen people playing that one ever? I have not. I don't think... I've seen it limited where it was ridiculous. Not I, I, I can see more people running this than I can... At least in casual play. Than I can see running Kefnet or uh, definitely Bonta, who's like Bonta's a little bit weaker. Kefnet's a little bit more com- com- right. competitive. I feel like uh, Ilharg is actually a lot of fun. That's it. You don't see a lot of people running uh, Mono Red and EDH. You do on occasion. It's more creative and more interesting stuff. Because EDH, Mono Red tends to be very aggro. It tends to not do great in EDH because... It does have a fair amount of stack specs, surprisingly. Yes, and Charles is kind of an expert on that stuff. He, he can tell us more about uh, the, um, the Mono Red. But Ilharg does not a stack stack make. I no. think, I think um, stacks in Mono Red is just something that people are beginning to discover. And especially with Throne of Eldraine, with Torbrand, I think more people are getting acquainted hmm. with stacks in Mono Red. But stacks in Mono Red has... Existed since like Kamigawa. Right, it's been yeah. 
it's been it's been there. It's just players are just figuring this out, and that's like one of the greatest beauties about Commander is it's such a huge library uh-huh. of Magic cards that uh, players can explore. But I think that players just don't really explore or really get to know. And you're always learning and discovering new cards every time you're playing a game of Commander with someone that you've just met. Absolutely. Uh, what about so, any uh, thoughts on Ilharg? So, so with Ilharg, um, like Mono Red also is extremely versatile. Uh, so, be. well, it's the only color I think in the color pie that can actually emulate all five colors. Being Mono Red, it can literally perform the mechanics of, uh, or like the the core principle mechanics of each of those colors. It has um, ramp. It has card draw, okay. It has what do you mean? Black, black. It has graveyard recursion. Yeah, it has, um, it has a lot. It has oh, a lot. I mean, every color does. That's stretching it a lot. No, 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 no. It's like it has a lot. No, I mean, like Felden is like essentially Red's version of a mono black. No, command. no, Red does, but it tends yeah. to focus mostly on artifacts and not so much creatures like Black does. Like it's mostly like you see Duretti's or Goblin Walders or Felden's where they bring back. Mostly artifacts. No, Felden brings back any creature just makes it an artifact copy. Any creature. Yeah. Yeah. Better than I thought. Yeah. And your gambles then become entombs when you only have one card in hand. Yeah. Let me know when that happens. I feel like Red... Let me know when that happens ever in Commander and then I will be... It's, it's already happened. I feel like Red does... I'm not saying that's not bad, but that's a pretty niche scenario. It's, it's not as niche as you think uh, when you're playing rummaging effects. And you're not generating card advantage, but you're generating card velocity, and you're literally just dumping cards into your graveyard right. as you're going through. Like, like your Wheel done. of Fortunes literally then just become, you know, get a new card of seven, right. put all your creatures and artifacts into your graveyard for your Felden to reanimate. What do you think about... So with Ilharg... With uh, its synergy, it's mostly... We, don't, we really care about the, um, the activated or triggered ability of putting a creature into play... What do you see that so you Mono have... Red has, and I guess Colorless as well, because it can do that, yeah. have that can make the most of that? Okay, so let me pull up Ilhard real quick. I'd uh, say... Because well, the for... Undying thing is like, it's great, it's good, but like, really, if you're running it, um, then you're hoping to take advantage of cheating big shit in the play. Yeah, yeah. so I'd say but... Wormcoil Engine's a good option. I'd say uh, all the Eldrazi Titans well, are pretty it, good. It, it's it's bouncing back to your hand. No, I know, yeah. but I'm not, not just... It's like, like an attacker, right? But Yeah, Artisan of Kozilek comes to mind because it some, can recur. Some good ETBs as well. Yeah, yeah so like, um, there is, I think, what's called Tyrant of Discord, uh, which... I it continues to destroy things that your opponent has until it hits a land and destroys them randomly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I should say destroy sacrifice, which bypasses things like Avacyn, right? Yeah. Uh, and you can run... I mean, Ilharg is uh, a red-worded card. And what I mean by red-worded card is that you look at cards like Kiki-Jiki, Mirror Breaker, you look at Felden mm-hmm. of the Third Path. Ilharg has the same wording as them in the sense that all of it's like cleanup triggers happen at the beginning of the end step which is something that you can abuse with sundial of the infinite sundial of the infinite True. is probably the most abused card in mono red because you could go infinite with final fortune and things like that right and so you can then keep the creatures that you cheat onto the battlefield and they stay in play right uh you can do things like you grab hoarding dragon and then tutors for sundial of the infinite and then you just sacrifice hoarding dragon to whatever sack outlet that you have get back sundial of the infinite and then you can then perf- begin to perform your combos okay right uh, sundial of the infinite is a good choice i forgot about that one 
Yeah. But, like, you can also do things yeah. like aggravated assault with Ilhark and then just run, like, a pseudo, like, Neheb combo. Okay. Where you yeah. can just get, like, a creature that ETBs, generates mana, and then just get infinite combat. Especially if the dragon, uh, what's its name again? Robin? The one that, yeah. no, the Hellkite, where you can, with the right man, amount of mana, you can do infinite attacks. It's a mono red one. Oh, you yeah, know what? Wait, no, I'm. Oh, uh, I know which one you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. One that also comes to mind is, um... No, because that's one that attacked and forgot. Uh, I think of the Joint Forces Dragon, but that one's, uh... Yeah. Well, any, anyway, I see it. I mean, you could run this commander. I see it as more of a 99 card. Same. But that's just how I feel that all these guys have been over that. I could see Kevnet being the most, followed by Oketra. And we'll get to those in a moment. Parting thoughts on Ilharg. Anyone. I think he's a fun red commander. Uh, and he has a unique ability. It is very unique. A lot of red doesn't have that. I think he's a lot... He, he's a... I, I feel like... I'm not sure if he's running him, but my my friend Dan runs a Zergo Bell Striker deck, and I feel like it'd be a good fit for that. Could be cool. Well, let's move to another god. God, we're not done with them yet. Uh, I've got... Five of them. It's God Eternal Ronus who is another one of the legendary zombie gods. It's three green green for a 5-5 five, five with death touch. And when it enters the battlefield, double the power of every other creature you control till end of turn. They get vigilance until end of turn. Then it has the same die trigger. So, like, for pure ETB effects, it blows the others away. That's, you know, some big shit. It's almost like Crater Hoof. Instead of um, getting uh, trampled to get vigilance, but that's no joke. If you drop that down in like uh, any deck where you've got any kind of go wide or some bigger stuff, it's gas. But then again, after that, you use that up unless you bounce him or he dies and you cast him again. He's just another big death touch guy. But I feel like he's best used when you have a big impactful moment i haven't seen him in a lot of edh personally i'm not running him even though i have a minor green deck i prefer to run the former ronus due to being cheaper and helping power out Sovala mana a lot quicker so it's good maybe if they gain trample or death touch or some other thing i would like that but i feel like the vigilance it's great but if i'm gonna try and alpha strike someone I'd rather have, like, Trample or some other ability besides just Vigilance, because I don't want them to be coming back and have the creature's protection. I don't want there to be another turn for them to have to worry about that. Um, So I'm not as hyped about that with him, but I think it's a strong god. Just one I have not seen a lot of play from either. I think um, he's pretty good with the whole Powers Matters theme in green because uh, with his ability, uh, because he also doubles himself, right? It does, but then you'll have to have haste, which green green can have some. I'm not not actually talking about attacking or combat. Like, you have to think about, like, what green does in its own sphere because power is a really big thing in green. You have things like formidable, ferocious, right? You also have things like greater good, right? You have things like, uh, true, but like momentous fall. A lot of decks that run those, they would uh, usually have creatures that on their own are big enough. If you have to 
power up something to get into that range with Ronus for six mana for one turn. It's not a very efficient use of resources. I think he's five mana. For five, still though, for for a one turn boost for five, well, it's it's not a very permanent thing. In most formidable cards and ferocious ones, they aren't the kind of thing where you would want to spend that out just to get that trigger off of it and so, only have it as like a once and then then they're back to normal. So I feel like he's the kind of card that, um, first of all, I of these, I could see him quite potentially being a commander. Of, of, because like, because um, like, as you said, like, he is the kind of card you want to go wide with. What I like about him is that even though he needs support, what he does for that support is incredible. Because when, when you swing out, just, just take swing as an example, even though I know you, you can do more with him. It, you, you've established like a big board of, say, elves that are buffing each other. Like, just hypothetical elves okay. that put counters on each other and stuff. He comes in, doubles their power and toughness, gives them visions. And if you're not swinging for game... You're swinging out and doing enough damage to set people back. And then because they all have Vigilance and he has Death Touch, mm-hmm. you're prepared for the crackback. That's how I see it. Right. I just don't want there to be a crackback. I want to kill You, you want to finish, yeah. So right. I think it's That's... trample. I was thinking more of the idea that you're comboing out with him. You have a bunch of creatures on the battlefield. You make them big. You play Ronus. You start drawing out your entire deck off of greater good. Yeah. And then Ronus goes back into your deck, and you draw him again. Right. And you can begin to recur it. You you'll usually need, have some mana. Ma- right. Even though you're mono green, that's very mana intensive. Well, you usually would run a creature that, like, for example, uh, Karametra's Acolyte already taps for three green by herself with right. Ronus in play, right? And not including, like, something like Greater Good, for example. Now she taps for, like, five green by herself, enough for you to just recast Ronus again, right? And then you can run other things, like, for example, uh, like, Green... Rec- Solvala. Yeah, you can run, like, things like Recursion and things like that. And also, like, Solvala, where she can literally just add mana equal to that creature's power. Right. Right? And so, and you can sack those creatures, too, right and run like some recursion effect like for example noxious revival mm-hmm. right uh you can run stuff like par- panharmonicon with eternal yeah. witness to get back your noxious revival and also your other creatures like you can literally play mono green storm there, there is good stuff with him although like, uh personally I, I feel like i think Sovala kind of just makes it so he just is always never going to be as good as shelby in terms of mana generation. Depends on what you want to build. Well, into the mana generation, yeah. She, he's not taking over her position as mana generation. He is like an enabler for, yeah. right. for doing that. It's like a different enabler, role. But yeah. would you think that is worth... Would you rather see him in a 99 or as a commander? Because Queen can tutor him up pretty easily. So Green is uh, versatile enough that uh, you can almost run Green... As like this, this, this goes with like black and blue as well, mm-hmm. right? Is that they're both like the three, like the Sultai colors are strong enough of a pair that they can operate as a shell, right? Uh, around almost any commander that you pick, like it could be a dead, it could be a vanilla creature for all they care in True. terms of what they want to do. And so, Savala is, is basically something that, that, that puts you over the edge in CDH. And what I'm saying with Ronas is that 
you can run Ronas as part of like basically your key combo piece that mm-hmm. like gets the whole engine going. All you have to do is right. just set it up. Just and having then, a then, piece in the command zone, like yeah. one of the ones you want. No, there's value in that. Yeah, you're right. Because then your deck, but your deck is like highly uninteractive. I would pretty much see this as a deck that someone would it's build just as a proof of concept, uh-huh. and they're going to enjoy it, and then they're going to take it apart after they've done it. Hmm. Which is, of course, fine. And, like, one of the things about monocolor decks that I like yeah. as a more casual player is if I'm running multiple legends in the deck, I can just swap them out. So that's always nice. True. Parting thoughts on Renus before we move to the next? I, uh, I, again, I think it, e- ETB commanders that don't do much else are, like, not my first choice. But then again, the recursion is nice. That said, I would prefer to run in the 99, but I think he's a definitely interesting option. I, too, would prefer as a 99, but... I'm more sold on the original Ronus. I think... In my deck side run. Yeah. I think uh, I would see him in the 99, but I also don't mind seeing someone playing him as a commander. Like, I wouldn't doubt it if someone decided to run it as their commander. Right. I wouldn't think it's unreasonable. And uh, the last god. The last of them. Uh, Oketra. Yeah. Uh, She's all right. Um, She's five mana. For I think a three six. Yes, it is a three six. Yeah, but she has double strike, and she's got great ability. Uh, Her ability is solid. It's a cast trigger. So first of all, she also has the same like uh, recursion ability as all the other gods. Um, But she also has a cast trigger that whenever you cast a creature spell, she creates a four four vigilance zombie um, token. Yeah. Uh, zombie warrior very good so uh, a couple things here she's kind of awkward she's definitely great for people who want to get to like optimize or casual um, like EDH in mono white because Mm -hmm. she does a lot of things that that you like uh, in white to do Uh, she's in the color that's really great for just uh, tutoring equipment so you can give her any of the swords and so she'll double trigger the swords with her double strike she's also good with running Audric because Audric like the new Audric uh, which has the whole keyword soup thing because then when you cast Audric you suddenly have all your creatures have double strike and vigilance yeah right uh, and if you want to try, you can run her in like a death and taxes or a stacks build, right? Where, uh, because her ability is a cast trigger, you can actually run her with like in a death and taxes build with like torpor orbs and hush bringers and things like that. Okay. So that, because her ability doesn't require, you know, an ETB to happen. It's just, you cast a creature spell. That's right? true. And so, uh, and I think players forget about this, but when you just cast one creature off of her and you get the token she becomes a at least a four turn clock because that's 10 points of damage each time she and the token attack yeah right? no ketra is uh, solid actually, i died to an oketra edh deck i've uh, seen this one play as opposed to the others so yeah yeah i actually um at one of the last games of edh i played recently played against someone with an oketra deck and uh, they Wait, went ballistic and killed, um, like, the whole table. Walking ballista? No, just ballistic. They just yeah, gone to shit and they killed everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... so I was impressed by the deck. Uh, she does work, makes a lot of stuff, and it, it's advantage for white. Being able to make big tokens is no joke. 
Yeah, the, the 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 combat actually matters. She she goes from zero to sixty rather. She is very yeah. relevant with combat. She's what yeah. five mana. Yeah, five mana. Death well, even without off. the double strike, you're swinging a bunch of four fours at them. Is no joke. Oh yeah, the ability to says any creature, right? Any, any creature you cast, no matter what, what they counter, is going to become at least a four four. That is not irrelevant. Yeah, no, I mean like. The, the the deck tech that people like to run with her is like Oketra's Monument, yep. which is on flavor, right? And it creates a 1-1 one, one, uh, warrior whenever uh-huh. you cast a white creature spell. And all your white creature spells cost, or all your, your white creature spells cost one colors less, uh-huh. or one generic less. And so you can start, you know, going crazy with white main lion. So for each, like, white mana you produce, you make a 4-4. Four, four. No, yeah. Because white main bounces himself. Right, uh, but she's great. Once again, I think she's actually awkward though. There's a lot of things that you want to do with Oketra, but uh, it the the five mana is awkward for white because white doesn't particularly ramp, right? You would need so artifact ramp. You would need artifact ramp, and the problem is is that if you're and this is why I'm saying that she's great in optimized because in optimized commander this is not an issue, but in competitive, okay, right. In competitive EDH, she she you don't see her in competitive EDH for numerous reasons. For one thing, is that if you're running artifact ramp, there's just a whole slew of commanders that just do it better. Right. right? Yes. And because you're also a color that doesn't draw cards, right? It's also going to be awkward because usually after you ramp with all that artifact mana, you want something to do with it. You want something to do with it. You want to reload your hand. And white doesn't allow you to reload your hand, right? Well, happily ever after, you get yeah. to see that one card. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. The, the real, the real CDH. I fucking hate that card. He <laughs> opened like two of it. Three. Oh, God. Right. But, but, but the thing is, is also that um, uh, you become kind of fragile in this way because, I mean, say that you have the ideal sure. hand with white main lion. You ramp her out, right? And she costs like four to cast after you have Oketra's Monument. You can start going to town. The moment that they kill White Main Lion, or they get rid of her and then wipe your board clean, you're kind of like a sitting duck, right? And so she, she's not particularly resilient if you're going through the whole right. ramp approach. But, I mean, if I'm playing CDH, I'm not even thinking I'm going to play Oketra to begin with. I, I mean, think if someone's seriously considering that, then they're going to find out really quickly that they're going to get fucked up. I, I disagree. Because I think that... Uh, really? Yeah, because I think that that is how most players will try to play her in CDH. And I'm saying that that is not how you should play her in CDH. That I doesn't mean, mean that she can't be played in CDH. I, I just don't think... I mean, we most commanders aren't worth even attempting to play in CDH. Because my... I'm, uh, sounds like Blasphemy. That's my hot take. Like, I just feel like a lot of them... Well, you could make an optimal build for some of them... Like it's just, I would rather just play one of the big, broken, scary ones. And like, I mean, like, most of the... like if I if I have the option of playing an Oketra CDH or using a Narset or Urza or um, what's the uh, Thrasios CDH, mm-hmm. Oketra isn't even going to be on my radar. Like, you you could do it and it would be different, but like if I'm gonna purposely go to CDH, I'm not gonna do something that could be really good in theory i'm gonna do something that is tried and true yes and like is like i know i don't have to have like the one right build to do it necessarily i like on raw power level alone i feel like cards like her can be very good in 
uh, what was the other word? Not competitive. C-H. Optimized. Optimized. She would be great there, or even in casual, mm-hmm. but I would just get my shit kicked in at most high-level CDH games. Uh, CDH games is weird because some CDH decks just lose to optimized decks. And once again, this is this goes right. back to what I said earlier, is that CDH is an entirely different meta. And yeah. comparing it to like optimized, like they're actually just orthogonal to each other. It's not that CDH is better. It's just more like it's faster right. and like a different nature. Which is, I guess, the issue I would have with decks like a mono white deck. And my opponent combos that with Protean Hulk on turn two. You know, you might have the answer, but the odds are that you're going to have less options to deal with things like this in mono white than you would other I think CDH Protean decks. Hulk actually has... A well, it is an example of like yeah. a lot of them you won't be able to deal with like the ones that quickly combo out and kill you. I think the point in Mono White, though, is that you're not supposed to deal with it dynamically. You're supposed to deal with it statically. Uh, and so oftentimes... Because White is not blue. Yeah. You, you don't have like the counterspell. Any uh, last thoughts on Oketra? Yeah, I think uh, if you're going to try and play her... like she, She's good and optimized however you want to play her. Uh-huh. If you're going to try and tempt her in CDH, I wouldn't go for the ramp package. Okay. I would go for the death and taxes package. So mm-hmm. you want to run stuff like death, like rest in peace to even just deal with like graveyard stuff that your opponent okay. does, like Protean Hulk, like you said. Hushbringer, like I said, is great because her ability is a cast trigger, right. which also just stops so many ETB effects that your opponents are trying to do as well. Well, you're you're more positive on her than us. I like her a lot, but I would never personally run her in anything like hyper competitive. I do like um. I do like her in casual. I just I I, call, oh, yeah. I, I like her in yeah. everything that isn't where I'm going to be playing against someone yeah. that's going to kill the whole table. Logically mentioned, logically super fun there. Anyway. Yeah. Well. Well. Tell that to the Goto player. To the guy who decided to play Goto with Helm the host. Well, they're evil people. Huh? We'll go. We'll get into Goto later on. <laughs> they're bastard men. Uh, Fibble. Well, he didn't do the tried and true. He did the. I'm going to do something that nobody's thought of playing. Well, I, screw them. <laughs> I, we'll, I, we'll get to Goto and my issues with that being are, are you, stupid are you, later are you saying screw them because he didn't do what you did, which is doing the tried and true approach? No, no, I'm saying screw com- them because <laughs> they killed me and I couldn't stop it. I'm just like, oh, I just die right away. I that mean, sucked. nobody's ever going to think about that. And that's what I'm pointing right. out is that it's an unexplored method. So, um... Well, well let's get to Fibble Because we have yeah. a few more legends. Yeah, so actually I'm, I'm going to have to... Go go through these and get some quick thoughts. If it's okay with you guys, just go go rapid fire mine because I gotta take care yeah. of stuff. Yeah, you bit. can do yours. All right, cool. So Fibble well, you, you have to stream at eight something, right? Eight. Oh, we have like want... forty minutes. Yeah, no, I but I got like set up and everything. But yeah, um, so um, yeah, we just need to get moving. But yeah, we can do this. Um, Fibble the Lost. What's it's super fun to see a, a long time Ravnica fan characters uh-huh. playing Flamejack stuff. Fibblethip is a rare from uh, War of the Spark, of course. He's a 1-1 one, one Homoculus, legendary creature Homoculus. He's two mana, one and a blue. He's a 1-1, one, one, which is honestly not what you generally want for a commander. That said, he does some interesting stuff. Basically, when he, uh, when he enters the battlefield, you draw a card. And if he entered from your library or was cast from your library, you draw two instead. And whenever anything targets it, you shuffle it into its own library. Right, and that- of course... Artifacts and blue of ways to abuse that. And of course, yeah. Now, the one that comes to mind is Proteus Staff, which I believe says uh, it's like two or three mana, three mana, I think. Pay a blue, tap, target creature shuffles into its opponent's library, and you reveal creatures from the top of your 
deck until you reveal a creature, put that in the battlefield. That is abusable with Fibblefip. As if you just run a creatureless deck. Yeah, exactly. You, you get, like, reveal stuff on top of your deck and get to him again, or you get something else. Okay. Um... Yeah, my, I like him a lot. I, I, I'm not much of a competitive player. It's probably more of a combo competitive deck, and I'm sure there are ways to make it work. The thing I feel about Fibblefip is that considering he wants to be cast from the deck anyway, or come from the deck, he just doesn't make as much sense as a commander. Because I feel like one way or another you're going to want to put him in the deck to abuse him or to just like uh, have fun with his mechanics. And that is not as easy to do when he's your commander and starts off in the command. So there are ways of doing it, and ideally you wouldn't have right. to ever like uh, cast him from the command zone again. But I feel like he's better off in the 99 building synergies. I actually feel like he'd be better as the commander for that, because if I want to... I personally would not run Fibblethip unless I was Same. going to abuse him. And if I'm going to abuse him, I want to reliably do it, and I want to be able to do it early and have him easily accessible in the command zone for it. So, I feel like that's why I would prefer him if I had to run him as the commander itself. Yeah. Because um, in the 99, I feel like I would need some big payoffs and a lot of cards to make the abuse work. So, I probably would not run him in there. If I'm going to do Fibblethip, for me it would be as a commander. I agree. Oh, with with Fibblethip as the commander. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're trying to abuse it, that makes sense. Right, and I yeah. mean, like you said, he is just a 1-1, and sure, when he enters, you draw a card. It's nice, but um, I'm going to... I can find more abuses for card draw than that, and... He's kind of an odd place, honestly. Yeah, so I haven't seen a lot of people run him, honestly. Myself, I haven't. Not in the review. I've seen people run him, but it's usually as like, you know, hey, this is my fun casual commander. Oh, right, right, but not as something that people are seriously going for and that seems to be the case mm-hmm. i think most people are going to experience that yeah it's but still nice we got a card for him though he got one the memes were real people memed yeah. him into existence mm-hmm. i guarantee you he would not have been a card unless people were like wouldn't it be so funny if we and had they, they only made plushies of him before they printed him yeah he's basically a meme creature there's nothing much to say there honestly like if you want to make him work go for it but I still have yet to see him. Another one that we can probably go through fairly quickly is Mou, the loyal champion. In the story, he's the partner of Jiang Yangu. I hope I said that right. He's the only uh, uncommon legend. He's the, the only uncommon legend here, I believe. And it is three in green for a 3 3 legendary hound. It is Trample Vigilance. And if one or more plus one plus one counters would be put onto Mou, then you put that many on you uh, put twice that many on. twice as many right on it instead, and that's its only ability. So it's nice. Um, I feel like it could be useful in a deck in the ninety nine and something that uses plus one counters a lot. I but agree. for a mono green commander, I feel like I just. Like you may find something to do with it, but I've got I've got way more creative shit I can do with my I would totally build this guy uh in a Pauper too. Uh he is such a great budget commander. Yeah, Pauper. No, it's, it's a budget. nice that could be cool. I budget, mean, but... he like 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 he goes from zero to sixty so quick. Yeah, very uh, commander damage stuff. Yeah, like the fact that they even package trample onto him is Oh yeah, no, trample. the trample the trample is redeemed. Yeah. 
I mean, like, just one plus one plus one count on him makes him already a 5-5, and that becomes a five-turn clock, but usually you're not going to put one plus one plus one count on him. Right. Right, and with, uh, what is it, the green enchantment that gives it an additional plus one plus one counter? Hardened scales. Hardened scales. You can stack the trigger so that he gets four off of a single plus one plus one counter placement. Right, and so now he's swinging for seven. That's a three-turn clock, right? Yeah, it's not like green lacquer. He's Moe's all right. Um, I, I feel mean, like I feel like then, you tend to see him similarly to how we saw Zagana from Radical Legions, where I saw it as something that um, you could get value out of, but I personally don't feel like it's. I think enough I, to I run, think I think I need to build a Moe deck as... just to kill you in like two <laughs> you, turns. You know what? I need to be convinced. Yeah. Because I don't think he is a bad card, but for me. I would rather play other, as a commander, green creatures, and I would run him in a deck that focuses on abuse of counters and adding them, but not, for me, as the headliner. I uh, I also think it's important to point out, as I, I noticed, that we all have different focuses and uh, ideas of what we want to play in commander, mm-hmm. so naturally it's going to have different opinions. Oh yes, we all are, which is, I mean, That's it's better here. than yeah. just me talking like an asshole in this for an hour, like I usually do, alright? <laughs> it's better to have other people here, yeah. and your opinions, and speaking of that, why don't we get to all of your opinions on Feather? Okay, I think everybody knows about Feather. Oh I mean, yeah. They're, 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 there's nothing really need to be said about Feather. I mean, she's like the Boros commander that yeah. everybody has always wanted in Boros, which is drawing cards. Honestly, like, I don't know what the whole hubla is about people wanting to draw cards. Uh, Mostly people believe that that, art, that that color combo has bad card draws. They're like, so give us something. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about the fact that red and white have, like, Boros has bad card you draw. You mean in general game Why do, yeah, like, because I feel like when I ask people, like, how would they design their own ideal commander? It always has to have some form of card draw, and I think that's really bad, actually. Do you um, think it homogenizes things? It homogenizes things really bad, and it gets players to be very tunnel-visioned on one play style, right? And well, Commander is like, there's so much more you can do outside. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're, they're actually... That's, that, that's also a blue and green trait. It's not okay. really like something that's like so... But it's nice for Red White to have at least yeah. one way. They yeah. Can do so it. so so I think she she's well designed, but I think that like she's an appeasement to a lot of players okay. who don't really understand playing Red and White. What you have to do to play Red and White very well. Um, so she's good. Her stats are great. Yeah, uh, solid card. Her triggered ability is also really awesome. I mean, like, there's not much else to say. She gets screwed over by one enchantment. That players never play anyway, which so, is called Earnest Fellowship. Uh, yeah. So, so, I mean, but if that's the worst, that, that will usually screw them. It's not bad. There's a lot more commanders that'll get screwed more. Evan, you got something to say on Feather? Yeah, I think it's just fun. I mean, like, Arcane and all that stuff gets sliced onto Arcane, gets a lot more fun with that. I like Feather a lot. I, I, I feel like. I mean, I can talk about the card draw thing, but I'm not going to talk about that right now. Um, I think for a Boros Commander, she offers some access to some fun mechanics and shit. Kind of like Firestone and Sunset, you can do stuff with instant sorceries that is not always the focus of Boros. Right. Which is fun. It's not just smash face, go boom. No, it's great. She fills a niche that wasn't previously available. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy about that. See? We're all on the same page with one of these. It took like six. Everyone loves Feather. She's great. 
I haven't uh, played. I played against her a couple times actually. She's pretty popular, as you mm-hmm. said. Um, one of the new hot toys for Boris. Yep. Uh, speaking of another, well, popular character at least, yeah. Krenko Evan. Krenko Tin Street Kingpin is a war profiteer, of course. Cause that's exactly what Krenko would do. And he is two in a red, so pretty nice and cheap. One che- one red less than his original incarnation. Mm-hmm. He's a legendary creature. He's naturally, of course, a goblin. Whenever he attacks, he gets a 1-1 counter. Then you get a number of 1-1 goblin, goblin tokens equal to his power. Now, he is a... Uh, he is a... Did I... I it's a 1-2. One 1-2, two. One two, thank you. I, I didn't... I forgot to print that. Um, what do you think? So, I think he is in a weird spot. Okay. He has to live up to Krenko Mob Boss. And honestly, he is not doing it. Because Krenko Mob Boss, while you had to ideally have a board in existence in order to use him, he was just so... He took all your goblins and doubled them. And okay. no matter how you look at it, this is... Well, you can do that. The issue is it's the attack trigger. Well, they go off in different ways. Yeah, no. The other one goes off as, as many times as you can tap him. Yeah. And keep activating it, you can make goblins. But yeah. if you can abuse the ability to attack multiple times, exactly. you can in theory hit higher heights. Uh, so they both want to shit out by him in one way being tapped. Uh, making a bunch of other goblins. Yeah. It's just the method that they go about it. That's a good point. Actually, it hasn't occurred to me. Because like you start, he's just one power, Krenko starts with one goblin. And this one can get bigger. This Krenko yeah, this exactly. I get, and they both, I guess they both multiply, not quite exponentially. That's the thing. Because the, the reason I'm thinking, it's originally Krenko goes exponential, this one counts up. And the, the reason I don't think right, it's quite... the other as, one goes exponential. Yeah. yeah. The reason I don't think it's quite as good is because you... And there is aggravated assault and other matches to get multiple combats in. It's just a lot easier to untap creatures than it gets to get it to attack again immediately. Is it in mono-red, though? Yes, both of them are mono-red goblins. This, no, I mean, is it easier to... Abuse untapped triggers in mono red, right? But oh, I, I feel like mono red is more do a lot of attacks abilities yeah, no, than that's that. True, that's true. So I feel like that's more easily abusable yeah. to do that. You actually give me a new perspective on him. I, it's better than I thought. It was. I would definitely run him in a Krenko deck, possibly vice versa. Oh yeah, I'd run him in a Krenko. Oh yeah, he'd go in any other Krenko. Like, wonder if you're playing either Krenko, you run the, the other, other one's going in. There. Absolutely. I mean, you can also throw the equipment. Equip creature gets plus one plus one for each creature that shares a creature type. That's also a good one. Yeah. And then you run uh, Breath of Fury, which is enchant creature. Then that goes. Uh, yeah, there's stuff you can do. Enchanted creature. Whenever enchanted creature uh, attacks and deals combat damage, right? Untap all creatures you control, and you get an additional combat step after that. Right. That and is. Then the... you sacrifice the creature and you attack Breath of Fury onto another creature. You get some haste enabler, right? You can also make since Krenko is one power, you can also make him unblockable that with the Goblin true. Tunneler. Right. That's true. And so he, I mean, he runs a similar package to Krenko Mob Boss already. Yeah. So, uh, he's now, just the uh, the one the one thing I want to point out about him. I don't like how he's a one two because he wants to attack and he's not always. He's usually going to be able to be jump block. Oh, well, hopefully you're going to have other goblins. Yeah. And yeah. The the point is that you want him to be unblockable. The whole point of the one two thing is that there's a bunch of. Red spells mm-hmm. and red creatures that say target creature with power two or less right. yeah, is true. unblockable. Yes. Right? And that's, By the time it gets bigger, you can just swing. Yes. Yeah. And so you make them unblockable for the turn, and then you begin to take infinite combat. Yeah, I uh, I think he is very interesting. As a creator. He's like interesting. Him. I would say that the original Krenko is way more reliable and consistent. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But that's I feel like the um, red could abuse the multiple attacks more than it could abuse tap and tap and tap. 
It depends. It does. It really depends. I mean, because you could even do stuff with, like, zealous conscripts and, like, things like yeah. that. I mean, like, Red has that multiple ways to them, untap, not even through yeah. combat. Combat in Red is basically, like, taking an extra turn in blue. Yeah. It is very similar to that. Now, I'm going to quickly pause this podcast, because when we hit an hour recording, it makes it stop an episode. So, I'll try and splice it together, but you might hear a small pause between the segment and the next one that gets stitched onto it. So, real quick, we're taking a quick break. Alright, we're back, got these spliced back together, and rolling right into uh, Niv Miss It. We're going to jump around a bit, as Evan is going to actually be heading off for a little bit, so Charles and I will finish up the episode. Evan, what do you got on Niv Miss It? He's the big one for you. Yeah, Niv Mithid is obviously I'm a huge Niv I'm a Nivit player, I love it, Niv Mithid. Uh he died and was reborn as a very different creature as the the um the yep. the guild pack, so that's kinda cool. It was no he, longer an Izzet commander. Yeah, he is now a five color Wooberg, what one of each color to cast. Mm-hmm. He's a dragon avatar lender creature, of course. He's flying. And um he's a six six for five mana, which is pretty good, of course it's five colors, so it's about as well as you would expect. When he enters the battlefield, you reveal the top ten cards of your library, and for each color pair, you choose a card that's exactly those colors, meaning, like, no more, no less, and only one of each. Put the, show the cards into your hand and the rest in the bottom of your library in a random order. So what that basically means is you're going to look for each pair of colors of maximum ten, and it's very unlikely you're going to get all those cards in your hand, but you're going to get a... If you deal with your deck right, you're going to get a lot of those cards in your hand. He is, um... Currently sitting at three dollars, the mythic, of course. He's uh he's interesting because I'm not usually huge on commanders that just have an enter the battlefield effect, and not not much else. But he does such card advantage if you build your deck right. And I I feel like the interesting thing is he's um he's fun because you have he wants to be five colors, but you want to use two color pairs, right? Which makes the fixing a little bit awkward. Uh, makes you think mana rocks a little bit tricky too, because he's not going to get any of the mana rocks if you if you reveal them off of him. So he's an inter- He's very flavorful, which I like a lot. I'm not sure I'd run it myself. He's definitely auto include like a dragon deck or any of the nine nine of certain decks. Not sure if I'd run the commander. What do you guys think? Uh, Charles, do you want to go next for what do you think of him? The Mizzet as a commander. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. People run him as a commander for sure. People do. Yeah, I believe yeah. it. Uh, I've seen him a fair amount. He's fairly popular. As far as War Legends go that are being used as commanders, he's one of the most used ones. Yes. I mean, that, that's, that's, about, that, that's, that's the hot take. People, people play him a lot, all right? People, yeah. play, solid, him solid. people play him a lot. <laughs> I think there is a competitive list for him somewhere. Oh, you think yeah. there's a competitive list for every one of these so far? Uh, like, no. Except for Bantu. He's the only one we were all like, no, yeah, no, 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 Bantu's no. I didn't. I trash. actually didn't say Ilharic had a competitive list. Okay, uh, I'll give you two. I also didn't say Fithlip had a competitive list. Yeah, we all agreed. Well, I also yeah. didn't say that Mowu had a competitive list either. Mm, I, you uh, were high on Mowu. You're going to have to kill me with him at some point. I, I need to be convinced. I, I, I said that Mowu was good. I didn't say that he was competitive. And but Niv Mizzet, you think he could? Yeah, I think show with the with the big leagues. I think uh, I don't know. I've I haven't seen a deck list that runs him competitively, but he has like the potential. Is the thing. Uh, it would be very I I like I haven't 
for one thing, I don't focus a lot on multicolor cards, and he's like literally the antithesis of everything that I live for. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, that's uh, true. Because <laughs> I, I mean, like for those of you who don't know me, I play almost exclusively monocolor decks, um, and I have a big like shtick on playing mono white because it's such an unexplored color in Commander. Now from Nymph Mizzet. Yeah, he just, uh, yeah, if he I, is if, just if, everything if, you're not about. If if you if you told me to build a Niv Mizzet deck and point a gun to my head and told me to build it, I could probably cook something up. Alright. But at this time, no. Just from face value looking at him, he has potential. That's all I'm gonna he, say. He does, I but I think Evan, you made a good point where you said he is inherently a five colored general in casting cost, but you wanna play mostly uh, two color cards, which makes rapid fixing tricky. It does, and because a lot of those are not multicolored cards, like a, a lot of your green ramp or artifact ramp, you won't get with him. Um, and you're only getting cards that are at um those colors, so it's tough. it's tough. It's very random. You mm-hmm. you have a hard yeah. time controlling what you get from which him. Is very you can in theory, but mm-hmm. you would have to put in the payoff the setup for that and More personally mind. there there are cards i don't believe he's worth it i would rather just tutor for my cards instead yeah. and be like i'm gonna find a color deck i'll play like some black or whatever color tutor for the specific stuff i need and then play it um he seems like he is mostly a good stuff deck yeah because you're just want to get as ideally as many cards as you can of uh, as many color combinations because you would not run him as say something that has only one or two two color pairs represented because you only get one of any pair so to me it's a generic good stuff deck one that in theory if you can abuse it or maybe you can find enough cards that are strong like that Super you can friends, make something maybe. stronger and more competitive but the randomness and the fact that it's very selective on what you get would not make me not yeah. see him as consistently useful as other good stuff five-colored decks. So I would be less inclined to play him myself. But people really like the randomness. They like that he's in the Mizzet, and they like five-color. So as you all have noticed as well, he sees a lot of play... Uh, because of that alone, regardless of what he even is one of the magic most iconic characters, yeah. Besides apparently Fibblethip, who is just the living meme of magic. Well, maybe Niv will do something crazy someday. Really they die? just gotta print enough two color cards and their ways to abuse it for him to do something nuts eventually. But I don't think he's there yet. You'll probably see one at Commander Fest. Commander Fest? Yeah. Fun. I'm very certain I'm going to run into a guy who's going to do something stupid. <laughs> I'm going to try to attempt. Oh, you're going to for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you did want to leave uh, your thoughts um, on your last one, uh, Tolsimer, we can talk about him uh, later because you have to get ready for your stream, which yeah. again, send me the link to Absolutely. so I can put it in the description for this stream podcast. Stream every Monday through Friday. May, sometimes it may take a day off, but I stream every Monday through Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Well, give, um, give us the handles for that, and I will include yeah. them in the uh, description so they can see them. Uh, so if you just hand me yeah. the whatever piece of paper had your notes on Last Legend. I can, if you want me to cover them now? Um, if you One would month. like, we yeah. can briefly cover Tolosamere. Okay. 
So, hit it. Tell me uh, about him. Wolf guy. Yes. Uh, friend of wolves, who is definitely a furry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Furry he is furry. Um, he is a 3-3 three, three, uh, for... Did I, do we have the medical? Two green-green and a white. Yeah, two green-green and a white. Um, it's an elf scout. I'll just get it out there. And um, when he enters the battlefield, you create Voja, friend to elves, legendary 3-3 three, three, green and white wolf uh, token, and when a wolf enters the battlefield under your control, you gain three life, and that creature fights up to a target creature you do not control. What do you think, Kevin? So, honestly, I think the previous incarnation does more for green-white as a whole, and is more flexible. Also, it can create Voja multiple times, which I think is a smaller Voja, but you can, like, do it if she dies repeatedly. Um, that said, this version is more wolf-tribal, and it could be an interesting build. The old, the old version is one more mana... Overall, and like meaning they're both very mana intensive, colored mana especially. It does basically everything this one does, but in my opinion, better. Uh, this is one that I say better off than the 99, but if you're building Wolf Tribal, it's definitely worth considering because Wolf Tribal is what this one wants to be. Right. He is very, he's not Werewolf Tribal, but he is specifically Wolf Tribal, and I believe he's one of the few commanders that is actually dead on Wolf Tribal. Yeah. So it's interesting. Arlen could be a good inclusion. Arlen would not be a good inclusion, mainly because she has red and he can't. No, no, no. I'm talking about War of the Spark, Mono Green Arlen. Well, the static ability makes Wolf that it was more. Right, right, you're right. And makes Wolf (laughs) tokens. Yeah. Charles, what do you think about uh, our friend the furry? He's really good with Populate. Yes. He's also really good with Sprout Swarm, so then you can start going infinite off of Populate and Sprout Swarm. The issue, of course, with. Tulsimir both incarnation is that you can't populate as one token unless you're running Mirror Gallery because it's a legend. Eh. No, I mean, like, you could. Kavod's literally... just a bonus. You're probably yeah. going to be carrying, I think, uh, a lot you're, about. You're literally, in the two colors that generate a shit ton of tokens. That is true. Right, that and. Um, you run, like, Anointed Procession. If yeah. you're going to play a lot of wolves, lot you're going to yeah. want to um, be focusing as well. If you go that round, just jamming out as many wolves as you can, regardless mm-hmm. of whether you're making another Vojo or not. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, you really don't need many voters because it's a 3-3 that does nothing besides yeah. being a wolf that yeah. will fight once when it enters. I mean, you can also do things with, like, changelings. Exactly. Uh, those yeah. those are things. But, like, like abusing it to make more Vojas is like, eh. That's, yeah, that's broke. Nothing, yeah. Woke is playing a shit ton of wolves or changelings mm. and going to town that way. And I have, mm-hmm. in fact, considered putting in my changeling deck, right. but I'm not sure if it's I mean, it. and you can also just run Anthem Effects so they're bigger. Right, yeah. But no one played Total Samir's to be like, I'm going to make a second or third Voja. That's where the fucking yeah. value is at yeah. for my commander. The, 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 the Voja is there so that Tolsamir can generate advantage by yeah. killing a thing right. when he comes down. Yeah. Exactly. So, Tulsimer, I have not seen it as a commander. I have seen it once or twice in some Selesnia Populate decks, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. People do that. Uh, that's about it with that. Evan, I think it's time for you to head off to do your streaming, which, once again, I will be, if you're interested in watching him stream games on Twitch, then check out the description of this podcast for his handles, links to his Twitch account, and all that. I will get those... Uh, before I post this episode, so send them to me tonight on Messenger. I'll Got it? it? Right away. Thank you so much, Flint. Thank, thank you. Charles. Thank you yeah. again for Stay being man. on here, man. We hope I to see you for it. the next uh, future episodes. I hope so. Yeah, alright. We got four more to go. We're gonna go back to uh, one of the ones I had, which was Massacre Girl. 
the Mono Black Legend, the set, another one, kind of like Fibblethip, that, while not memed into existence, people saw her in the flavor text of other cards, and they really wanted Masker Girl, and we finally got her. She is three, black, black for a four, four, human assassin, menace, when it enters the battlefield, each other creature gets minus one, minus one, till end of turn. Then, when a creature dies this turn, each creature, other than Massacre Girl, gets minus one, minus one. And this repeats. So then, if a 2 2 dies, uh, a 3 3 would die from getting minus one, and so on. She can very quickly make a chain reaction of death around her, depending on how many creatures are on the battlefield and how they scale up with the power and toughness. She's pretty cool. Um,. I don't know if I would run her as the commander itself, depending, it would depend on the strategy I would play, mainly because while she can kill a lot, um, she doesn't, outside of that, generate much advantage on her own, and I'd like to see her as something I could tutor up instead in the 99 to act as a board wipe, for example, because black, I can find a million ways to find her in my deck and pull her out for the right moment. Which is where I see her use being more of in Commander. I think... It's like another uh, Toxic Deluge, almost. Yeah, she's alright. I mean, it's Hearthstone's version of Defile printed on a Magic card. Hmm. Uh, if anyone here plays Hearthstone. Uh, I think a fair amount of the audience probably... Yeah, so so they know where this card's designed. It's kind of based off of... Um, yeah, I'm kind of in agreement. I mean, like, there's nothing really outside of that triggered ability. You could, if you want to, run her in, like, the 99 for a Shire, uh, the Kamigawa legend, that mm. whenever a creature you, um, whenever a creature... And then you're running Shire, which is a very, what's the word I'm looking for, not used commander. Oh, really? Uh, Shire is, I think, actually, probably, like, one of the more popular Black Stacks commanders. Uh, because well, Shiri... outside, outside of like the big black creatures, she's not one of the you know most common ones you're going to see at a table. You're going to see a lot of other stuff like because people don't like playing against stacks. Well, Shiri is not a very fun commander yeah. to play against. She's the one that will actually just shut you out of the game. She is like like next to like the braids who's banned in commander. Mm-hmm. Shiri is pretty disgusting i mean like yeah because you can just begin to recur shire with uh what you would call it the imp that literally forces each player to put a card from their hand on top of their library and so if you don't have a way to like draw more than one card a turn you're just stuck with the hand that you have right right shire can recur fleshback marauder and things like that and with massacre girl you can then begin to just wipe the entire board and get everything back because now everything dies as a zero zero right and so shire triggers and gets everything back obviously you have to have some way of protecting shire from massacre right which is going to be relevant because if you kill too much yeah so you would run stuff like blade of the blood chief which triggers on each creature dying putting a plus one plus one counter on shire but then again if you're doing all of that you couldn't theory just play damnation and the next turn rise the dark realms and just get all the shit Uh, you know like for example like it's a combo you could play, but there are other ways where you could, with less cards used, achieve similar effects. Rise of the Dark Realms is too expensive to cast. Like, Shire is 
effortless in terms of mana. Right. Like, you actually can play Winter Orb in Shuray and not do anything. You can but run, like... For example, that's just, like, the way I see um, some of the set the setup situations. Yeah. For me, I don't tend to um, focus on um, trying to get, like, the combos like that with commanders. I focus generally with my decks on, for the most part, cards. It's like, can I... Do what are the least amount of cards I can do to get the most effects that I want, and I feel like cases like that for me it's not. That's where I start to be like, is it efficient enough for my taste? So I would say that if I was a Shire player, I would only run Massacre Girl if I felt like having fun or being cute with my combo. Okay, right. I'm not saying that this is like a card that Shire players wouldn't need to run. But it's a card that works cool. That works well. It would well. do cool stuff. With it her. would do cool stuff with Shirei. Yeah. The thing is that you need Shirei alive because Shirei's triggerability only triggers as long as Shirei is alive. Right. Right. And so that is my thought about it. Okay. Otherwise, right. if you're trying to optimize Shirei, I don't think you would run Massacre Girl. Right. Yeah. But she she's interesting and um, yeah, it's another one that I think we're all pretty much on the same page. I think Evan would probably feel similarly. What do you think about this uh, next cool dude? Naheb? Yeah. What's he all about? Uh, he's cool. Um, There are some stuff that you can do with him in red, like with Madness. The fact that you can get your cards into your graveyard. Um, Oh, wait. I, I think I should actually explain what he does. I first. guess. Uh, if he's, you want. <laughs> he's two generic double red for a zombie minotaur warrior. He has trample. And whenever um, he deals combat damage to a player or a planeswalker... You may discard any number of cards. If you do, draw that many cards, add that much red mana. And until in turn, you don't lose the game. Uh, uh, I mean, sorry, you don't you don't lose the mana. Sorry. It's I, like you're not going to lose the game. Damn right. Yeah, you don't <laughs> you don't lose the mana as uh, steps and phases end. Um, and yeah, he's uh, I mean he he's solid. I mean he's strong. Yeah, uh, but compared to the old Neheb, you favor uh, the old one more. Yeah, Neheb the Eternal is 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 a lot easier and more efficient to do. Uh, but this Neheb sure. does is an enabler uh, for other things because like the old Neheb doesn't generate uh, velocity as the new Neheb does. And uh, for some red players, that, that velocity is very important. Like, you're not... I, I don't see you comboing out with this guy like you do with the old Neheb. Right. But this Neheb is very resourceful as yes. a red creature because basically you get to rummage, like, any number of cards. And if you want to, you can do it again with an extra combat or so. Right? And that's actually, like, really important for, like, red decks that care about putting cards in their graveyard. Like, with Felden, Doretti, or, like... Um, uh, any of the, like the red flashback cards, any spell slingers in red, uh, like past in flames and things like that, uh, where you just care about putting as many cards as you can into your graveyard and then storming off. Yeah, I mean, I feel very similarly as well um, about Neheb. Mm-hmm. So I have um, a lot to say about it. I haven't seen it widespread use yet either. Um, I've seen the other one be used more commonly. I think the culture right now in Commander is literally on the idea of comboing off and being and ending the game like 
uh, fashionably. I don't think anyone plays attrition in Commander. Like it depends. Some you will see it sometimes. I play, um, for example, a um, Moran deck, which is very attrition focused. Well, what I mean by attrition is like actually attacking and killing someone with combat damage. Oh, that's very uncommon. Yeah. Do, have you played Commander since the beginning of the format? It's around the inception, like when the first precons were out, and when um, it was getting more popular, people noticed yeah, I, it. I played before the first commander's arsenal. I still think have some of the cards from the first commander's arsenal. Oh, the arsenal. I meant like the precons, like the ones that like Gav Gavi came in. The uh, original. Yeah, no, I'm saying like that was even before the precons. Oh no, the arsenal was after those. It was after the first set of precons. Uh, really? Yeah. Like Commander's Arsenal with yes. the Skull Rack. And yeah, yeah, it was a, after the first Precons were out. Mm-hmm. Okay, I played before that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, just saying because I noticed back in the earlier days of Commander, and not to go on a, a tangent, but that generally games tended to end through combat damage, you know, with most people dying that way. And I felt like the trend against that started around M13 when they printed overcosted cards like Omniscience and Wildfire, Rise of Dark Realms, Psych Rift, um, that were made to be like, oh, you know, it's too good for, too costly for standard. But then in most commander games, people will reliably get to 9, 8, 10 mana. And then now they have a card that can oftentimes say, I win the game. Mm-hmm. And because of things like that, and you'll see things like Mizzix Mastery now, and mm-hmm. um, I mean, and like, the infinite, but they have cards like these, and they print at least one or two every other set that mm-hmm. have gotten Commander to the point where most games end because someone has one of those big, expensive cards, and it's like, I win, whether it's through comboing off with it or just like, bam, the game's over. Like expropriates another one where they did that with, so and because of this, I feel like it has not necessarily sped the format up, but made it so that combat damage where you were beating each other to death over turns, slowly attritioning them, has fallen out of our favor over just being like I win. I think it's a paradigm shift. I don't think that it's because those cards are better than the attrition strategy. They're I not think it's better because... than the strategy, but they've caused games to end yeah. with it now. Back when they didn't exist, you couldn't do this. Now that you can because of it, that it, slice of the pie of games ending due to attrition and people dying over time through combat has naturally been taken away by people winning with the big flashy spells and yeah, combos. I think the key word is flashy. I think that players like that right but i, I think personally that, would be happy if they were gone <laughs> no i think i think players like that and it, it appeals more to like casual players and in some circles like with cedh players i mean like we're actually kind of seeing this right now with field of the dead right in, in standard, standard yes. yeah where they print a card that they think is really fun for casual players right right that then is taken advantage of advantage of by competitive players right. and competitive commander is like just this weird like pretty much like the leftovers party like everything that design just didn't really think about doing because mm-hmm. nobody when they design magic cards they're thinking about the average magic player. right no they're not thinking about what yeah. someone's possibly going to do with one of like the tens of thousands of cards that exist yeah yeah like and so 
unless they're doing like modern masters or eternal masters and things like that right and uh when they design cards like omniscience and Worldfire, which isn't even playable in commander but like well not anymore yeah but let's say like Worldfire and things like that like these really big splashy cards um they're not uh wizards i think wizards is actually very careful on the wording of the card so that it can only be abused through certain ways and i think that players who really like these flashy Mm -hmm. spells like this is like getting to like something that i'm later going to write for dice city games but here's like a little bit of a preview sure shoot uh is sort of how players think when they play magic right and this goes back to earlier what i said about like feather and how players think only in terms of card draw and card advantage there's so many other things like tempo velocity right virtual card advantage but and like two out of those three things i mentioned can only really be assessed during game time. And that's the problem is that when players design decks, they don't think about, they, they, they design things based on like an idea in a vacuum, mm. right? They don't think about like what interactions are occurring in the middle of a game. And so a card's value can sometimes not be shown until it's actually played in the middle of a game. Yes. When it's interacting with a bunch of other cards. And so, uh, and that's a problem in Commander because right. with all the big and flashy cards that people play, they're always only going to think in a vacuum of what can I do with this card, not how does this card interact with this in play that's commonly played in Commander. And we see that now in CDH, which is now moving towards a more stacksier interaction where players are literally playing cards like Trinisphere, right? Because you don't think about it, but like when you actually do think about it, you're like, okay, like this certain percentage of Commander decks actually has this curve and so if i play a trinisphere on turn one with a mistress workshop Hmm. right grinds the game to a halt right and those are things that players just don't think about because that's like a modern slash legacy card yeah right and that's what and so that's what we're seeing right now in commander interesting yeah uh well i'm not going to spoil too much of that one yeah we have to wait for the article for the full picture yeah so we got three more to go and uh I think this is another very common one is Rowalesque Apex Hybrid. That's right. It's two green, green, blue for a four, five flying trample uh, human mutant. Why not? When it enters the battlefield, put two plus and plus one counters on another creature you control. When it dies, proliferate, then proliferate again. Um, I like the card. I think it can be useful as a commander obviously proliferate counter synergies it's right out there using death triggers is not unreasonable in green blinking it in blue is possible to put counters on stuff good for planeswalkers proliferating i like it i run it personally in my atraxa deck and i've not seen anybody using it as a commander but i've seen people play with it before um in other decks i think it's a solid card honestly i think it does exactly what it says on the tin but obviously there's a lot of ways you can abuse it mm-hmm. and i think you could get creative with it so uh i personally don't have a lot to say in depth about it besides uh you know you know what you're doing when you're playing it you could go to head in depths but it's also can be very straightforward with what you want to do yeah uh what's the wording on proliferate uh, specifically proliferate? Choose any number of permanents. Yes, you choose any number of permanents and or players, and then you give them 
each another counter of each kind they already have. So it, it has changed, though. It used to be you chose which counters. Now it's just every counter that's on that permanent. Ooh. Yes. Okay, so I th- I'm just going to leave the afterthought for people to think about this. Sure. Uh, in building Rolex, or not Rolex. <laughs> Rolex. Yeah, yeah Rolex. No, Rolex. no I, call, I call magic card shit all the time. Whenever I uh, play like M20 draft or have a Marauder Sacks, I always call it Murderer Sacks, for yeah. example. So, Rolesk, uh, if I were to build him, I think the approach that I would take before anything else is to think what are the best counters to proliferate? Because mm. I think that we immediately default to thinking loyalty counters, but you know, there are other things like, oh, for yeah. example, there's a fuck like ton, especially in sagas, blue and green. Charge counters. Right? Well, no, you don't always want to proliferate the sagas. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying that you always want to, right? But these are things to think. Oh about. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, because uh, once again, this is what I'm talking about in terms of like uh, design space uh, that, right. that players don't particularly explore because I think players just habitually think of what is most obviously there. When Wizards has allotted us a lot of things. That we can take advantage of. Charge counters, I think, are like probably like one of the more popular ones. Yes. Because uh, there are so many cards that actually use charge counters, and they carry across blocks. Like some sets, they'll print a card, and the counter is of a specific special type, right? Like, uh, like Obsidian Fire Heart or whatever that puts in the Blaze counters. Yeah, the Blaze counters. But like, there are just so many permits that just use charge counters all throughout. Oh yeah, yeah. There's some good stuff. So I like it. Mm-hmm. Um. So Maybe yeah. we have two more. Why don't we go to Storev? Yeah, Storev is like sort of uh, light, uh, light and shadow, kind of on a creature. Uh, Similar effect. Yeah. So she is one generic, two black, and a green for a five-four trample zombie elf wizard. Right. And whenever uh, she deals damage, combat damage to a player or planeswalker. Uh, you can return uh, to your hand target creature or planeswalker card in your graveyard that wasn't put there this combat. Uh, so I used her great and limited. Yeah, she, she, she's great and limited. Uh, and I think that's how you should play her, actually, is to force a limited game on your opponent. So, hmm. uh, like, Interesting. in Commander, um, how do you get a limited game in Commander? And that's actually, like... Uh, what's sort of been hinted at throughout this whole entire conversation that I'm kind of creeping in is yeah. you. there are a lot of ways to force the limited attrition game in Commander uh, but players are way more focused on playing splash, splashier cards because they look more yeah. fun to play you, I mean like you, no who, by all means I'm yeah. with you you should yeah. help me be the change we want to see in the EDH world <laughs> yeah I mean like like who wouldn't want to overload Mizzix's Mastery yeah I know I know but right. I want uh, it's like, boring ending the game yeah. like that. But if you time. want players to think about how they have to attack or block and actually get players to actually think about attacking and blocking again, because players don't even like I played so many games with someone with a Git Rock monster who'd never attack with a six six death touch. Like can you like like I, you, I know it sounds <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It's like I have a six six death touch and nobody could like block and survive. Wait, but it does stuff besides land stuff. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna blow my mind. Yeah, no, no. Like it's 
it, it it's baffling and it's actually really silly. Uh, but that's sort of the game of Commander that we play now. And uh, you can get players to think about that again. And part of it is with the use of stacks pieces. But you don't have to go full stacks. No. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be like, oh, I'm playing Winter Orb and stuff like that. You can literally just be like, there are no ETB effects this game. Right? Yeah. And literally, that stops most combos. Right? Can definitely uh, shit on combos. Yeah, which is I mean, great. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, and so, or you can do like, you know, there's no more tutoring in this game. Or you can play like City of Solitude, Psych Rift on your own turn, right? Uh, like, it's just, you don't have to play the kind of game where right. you don't make people play Magic. You just need to play the kind of game where you force players to play on your level, which is a level that doesn't involve combo. Do you see Sturev? By the way, is something that is more of a ninety nine or more of a commander? Because I personally see it as a commander. Either, either, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're doing her as a commander, right, then what you want to focus on is just basically recursion. However, she loses out to Marin. I was about to say yeah. uh, there are better reanimation yeah. commanders. She loses out to Marin. So, the only thing though for her going other than than what Marin has is the ability to recur planeswalkers, which introduces yeah, like a can do that. Which introduces like a new thought about how you can play Planeswalkers. Because right now I have like a mono white super friends. Uh And what I use with my mono white super friends are like a lot of like white's recursion spells. Like Profound Journey, Brought Back, right? Face Reward. So I can just ultimate my Planeswalkers and immediately just get them back. I can minus seven Ugin, then pay two mana to cast Brought Back to get Ugin back again. Right? Yeah, there and Blink. There's stuff like that. I feel like. Yes, Strev, most people would only choose her over Moren, who, let's be frank, is insane. Yes. Because they want to not have, I feel like, the easy common choice. Because Mm -hmm. the question kind of does become, why not just play Moren? Mm -hmm. So if you're going to play someone like Strev... I feel like it's because you are on purpose trying to um, not do something that I guess everyone else is doing when they're doing Golgari Reanimator. Mm-hmm. So for me, she's more of a counterculture commander in that sense. Yeah, I'd say she is the not... kind of commander that... Actually, with War of Sparks, she might be a little bit better. No, with... she's not better than Moran. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not talking about better than Moran. Like, okay, I thought better, you were going there. I was no, like, no, no, Charles, no, my God, no, no, man. No, no, no. I'm saying she, she's a little bit better than what we might give her credit for. No, I don't think she's she had... bad. If there was not better options for the most part, she would probably get more play. But a lot of people are just going to be like, oh, I'll just play uh, objectively, for the most part, stronger version. You want to basically take advantage of the green-black uh, yeah, smorgasbord of planeswalkers that you have. Yeah, planeswalkers with static abilities that they introduced in World yeah. Spark could be useful for her, right? Yeah. So that way you can use them, you can kill them, you can get them back. You have more. Con- She's like a control commander, whereas Moran is like, and this is like a really huge subtle thing yeah. that people don't really think about is the difference between control and attrition, right? Okay. Moran is 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 attrition. She's combo. Right, she um, just does so much. She does so much, but Storev is more narrow in focus. Yes, 
Yeah. And uh, so if you want to play her as a commander, you have to think about how you can best utilize what Moran is not doing. Because otherwise, it really, like you say, it really just begs the question, why aren't you just running Moran? Right. You know what? You make... And I, I agree with that last point, um, is that if you're running her, it's because of what the other ones are not doing mm-hmm. that you could get from her. So yeah. Uh, we got one last one. I'd say last but not least, but... Uh, it's Tomek. It's it's a freaking hate bear. <laughs> Honestly, like it, the last legend we have to cover is Tomek, distinguished advocist. Which advocist? Fun fact is the profession that Tesa has mm-hmm. in the lore or did, which is like a lawyer in Ravnica. That's what an advocist is. It is white white for a two three human arbiter. Uh, it has flying. For some reason. And it's got a glider. It's got a glider. Uh, yeah. And lands on the battlefield and land cards in graveyards cannot be the targets of spells or abilities your opponents control. Your opponents cannot play lands from graveyards. Well, um, honestly, that for me is a card that goes in the 99. Strictly is like a 99 in another stacks deck. Like, there's... Like, to, to me, it's like, for, if I'm going to play a mono-white commander, it's not going to be one that just sometimes shits on lands occasionally. It doesn't even stop a Windgrace deck, for God's sakes. Like, yeah. so, Tomek is just something that maybe if you want another stacks piece, maybe your meta is really, really doing some specific weird shit with lands. But, for me, it's like, okay. You know, I would never say that's what I'm going to make a commander out of. Uh, I agree. <laughs> yeah, he I is mean, probably one of the least impressive out of all the legends we've covered. I mean, well, for, like, is if you're making a general out of it. I mean, because so 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 here's. Yeah, gonna, we, ended, gonna, yeah, we really yeah. ended with a whimper, not no, a bang. <laughs> I mean, well, like I'm going to say this about stacks because we're going to touch on this. I think. Or I in will future talk- episodes, and at the very least, you will in your articles and your other yeah. content, too. Yeah. Uh, stacks is something that's really complicated, and I think that people are kind of just learning how to play Stacks. Yeah. Uh, people are kind of using Hate Bears as just Hate Bears when they can be used in tandem with a lot of other things to create mm-hmm. synergy. So, for example, I mentioned earlier that uh, Feather loses to one enchantment in particular that no one really thinks about running. It's called Earnest Fellowship. Right, and it's a white enchantment. And it's one and one white, uh, and it's an enchantment that says uh, creatures have protection from their own colors, which is something that almost no one's going to play. It's so narrow. Yeah. It has four stacks effects attached to it, uh, because when we think about stacks, the word that we always, the key word that we look for is can't, and there are four can'ts attached yes, to it. Yes, you cannot target your own creatures. No, 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 yes. Well, specifically, creatures can't be targeted by spells or abilities. Oh, of their own color they can't be blocked by creatures of their own color right uh, prevent all damage that we be dealt to them by sources of their own color and uh it can one? also make it so that any colored auras or artifacts fall off of those creatures yes, and they can't be, have things attached to them which can hate color. on voltron it yeah it stops their own mistalker yeah yeah. yeah, but nobody really plays their own Miss Stalker anymore. He used to be. Back when we were talking yeah, about... Yeah, yeah, uh, no, when yeah. we... See, that's what I mean. When we were on the whole attrition mm-hmm. thing, when decks weren't just being like, I'm going to expropriate and fucking kill everyone right now, 
back before you did that, Ural was a big, scary dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't well, see him anymore because the meta is you. Uh, yeah, shit, I mean, shifted away. From I that. I see him in like Command Fest where people were playing this character. You want to cheese out a deck? It's like, hey, I'm gonna put. Yeah, he, but like, he's a cheese commander. But like, he really is. But like, it's really important. Like with cards like Ernest Fellowship, right? Because then right. people who are like playing stuff like Nekazar, okay, but most people aren't running that deck, that card, just on the hopes that they're gonna. No, no, no. no. So, so, so that's the thing. Is that immediately players come into mind that oh yeah, this stops auras and stuff like that, but they don't necessarily think about like, for example, uh, if they play Tainted Strike on their Nekuzar. Okay. Right. right. Uh, or the fact that uh, all the spells that you run a feather will right, target right. feather, right? Well, Tainted Strike is its most fun when one of your opponents attacks another opponent and you Tainted Strike is their it? creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I then mean, it's like, like, oh, surprise, you killed yeah. them. I mean, like, things like... That's Bers- the best. Yeah, I mean, but, like, things like Berserk and uh, other stuff just don't work. Oh, uh, yeah. And... Um, or Hatred. I love that card, too. Yeah. And it, and it's since, great with the tracks. Since they unbanned painter servant you can then you know play painter servant and then suddenly they can't equip anything onto their creatures like goto yeah. just doesn't do anything which is great yeah i mean so 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 once shitty again, on goto is yeah. like so so once again this is this this goes into like this whole thing that i'll talk about in more in depth right. on my own we'll about, say it for the other episodes. yeah about hate is that hate is just not something that like like we we, we pigeonhole it and it's similar to like tempo and virtual card advantage, uh, in the sense that like we only think about it in its narrow use applications, but mm-hmm. there are so many things that can become hateful, but on but like don't do anything on their own, right? And all you need is just one more card. Like Ernest Fellowship is not seen as a hate related card, but when you tie it with Painter Servant, suddenly it's like, oh my god, I can't use my equipments anymore. Right, like I can't use skull clamp. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, like that's true. Yeah. So but anyway, yeah. Turad, this fucking guy. Nope. No. Uh, Tomic. Yeah. Tomic. So... Who cares? They suck. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That that's a great way to. Yeah, we're and I mean, we're like, we're gonna I be would... on him. Yeah. I, I'm not even gonna waste time on this car anymore. Uh, yeah. I will. Charles... Yeah. My final thoughts on Tomic. Uh... No. Final. Th- fuck him. He's not yeah. worth it. Any final thoughts on the. Uh, the Legends of War, because uh, we're going to wrap up the podcast in a minute or two. Give, uh, me, give me the last words. Honorable mentions on War of the Sparks. Yes. Uh, I don't have any in my mind at the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, like... Yeah? But uh, yeah. The Wanderer is cool. She's really cool. Wanderer is rad. I like them. Yeah. like to see them again. Yeah. But that's and, it. Yeah. <laughs> so... I'm going to, once again, for all of you, check out the article he is going to be writing for Dice City Games. Mm-hmm. Check out his other future endeavors. The ones that are not just on here as well. And you uh, can see all his info to follow him and see more of his hot takes uh, in the description of this podcast, which will be coming up. Uh, so I'm hopefully going to have this article uh, out by the first of November. Nice. That's the idea. But don't don't send me hate mail if it's not out then. All right. You can send me hate mail for all the other stuff you I can, do. Just just at me on Twitter if just yeah. at Charles. Yeah. Okay. You'll find him on Twitter there. So anyway, yeah. 
Thanks for joining me for this one again. This is a lot bigger and longer than the last one because we had way more Legends oh, to so cover. Many, yeah. So many. At least the next sets are like way lighter on Legends. Yeah. What so, was the next set? M20. There's not M20. much in there. That's a quick one. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Thank you all for listening to this. I really appreciate it. And once again, check out my awesome co host M20 and, and go straight to like Eldraine or something. I'm going to do M20. It's like a really quickie. <laughs> Well, it'll be good to do M20 because it gives time for Eldrin. I like, so I like doing these a little bit after a set has, um, the next set after one has come out. Mm-hmm. So that way it gives people time to like, see them in the wild, yeah, see yeah. more impressions of them. If I did these like the week or two a set comes out, for example, then we don't have as much anecdotal um, data. and We don't have as much long-term hard data. Mm-hmm. Um, for the numbers that we put out before. Sure. So that's why I like to give it a little time to breathe. Yeah. So I'm going to wait a bit uh, for Eldrin. Modern Horizons. Yes, we have to do... Yeah, I almost forgot about that one. Uh, I mean, like, what... First Sliver, Morphon... Hogak, Urza. it's broken, Sliver... Oh, we'll get into that for another yeah. one. All right, this episode's already, I believe, my second longest I've ever done. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot for this We one. had a lot to cover, so thank you all for sticking with it, those mm-hmm. of you that did. Uh, once again, check out my awesome host stuff. And look out for more episodes coming out soon. Throne of Valdrain stuff. I got a lot coming out on that. Uh, got one last M20 episode, which I have recorded, but I have not published yet before the Legends one. And we'll see a bunch more EDH stuff in the future. All right, signing off for now.